Hey, so I'm at church. This is Charles Kirby. I'm here with Jasper Sweeney. Howdy. We want to do a little bit of a podcast for you to um, kind of walk through the sermon that Jasper gave this past Sunday on Romans 14. There were some questions that we asked you to send. Thank you for those who sent them to us. And we really want to give some thought to this because obviously as we look at the temperature in our culture and even in our church, these things need to be discussed. We need to have very open conversations and it is not something that you can just ignore. The ramifications of the things that we learned in Romans 14 are practically what we need to be doing every single time we come together. So Jasper, as you reflect on Romans 14 in that passage, would you kind of give us a, a brief summary, but then also maybe some things that you uh, would just like to highlight so that it, we can have it in our mind as we move forward? Absolutely. So if you weren't there, go back and listen to the sermon. We talked on Romans 14, which is uh, it's a passage that is very relevant to our time because the main overview of what I was saying is I was making the argument, which I believe that Romans 14 is making, is that opinions have the ability to destroy the work of God. Hmm. And that's not me interpreting it. It actually says that in the passage. It tells us at the top to welcome the one weak in the faith and not to quarrel over opinions. And then Paul goes on to show that if you take these gray areas of life and make them a big deal and try to either judge people who do things that you don't think that they should, or if you try to uh, despise and you look down on those who shouldn't be making laws out of things that they are, Paul is saying to the, especially the stronger brother, that you put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother or sister, and you destroy the potentially the work of God. Hmm. Now, why? Here, here's what it means to put a stumbling block or a hindrance. Our faith is is individual to us, and we're all on a different plane and journey of faith in our walk with Jesus, but all of us are being drawn to Him, to be conformed to His image, and we got this walk and this journey where we're trying to get closer to Him. Yeah. And when someone else comes in and invades our conscience, where our conscience is doing something in honor of the Lord or not doing something in honor to Him, and one of us comes along, maybe with good intentions, and tries to get in between us and Jesus, it affects the conscience and brings in confusion and potentially causes that person to do something that in their conscience, they're saying, I can't do this. This would dishonor the Lord. Yeah. So what are the opinions we're talking about? I really feel like I cannot, um, we cannot stress enough that we have to show that opinions in Romans 14 only, only, only apply to the areas of life that are gray. So where Scripture says something is wrong, it's wrong. Yeah. Where Scripture says something's right, it's right. Where, where the law of the land lays out some type of this is right, or where policies of churches or places that we're at, when these things are over our life, there's authorities over our life, and these rules and these laws do not go against Scripture, yeah. then, then Romans 14 doesn't apply. Okay. But for all the areas of life that are gray you know, and I gave some examples like, uh, should you get a tattoo? Should you not get a tattoo? Should you drink? Should you not drink? Should you uh, observe church on Saturday or on Sunday? Is Christmas a pagan holiday and you shouldn't observe it or should you observe it? I mean, it's it's all of these individualistic things that we feel like we either need to do or we shouldn't have to do because we have freedom in Christ. So, yeah, and it sounds like some of them are even just perceived social norms. 
And another person could argue and say, well, that's not as important to me and my family, so therefore we don't necessarily need to participate in these things. Hmm. Let, me, let me ask this, though, about this idea of faith. Because the, the Bible, in, in this passage, says very clearly, like, this faith that you have, keep between yourself and God, and then says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. How, how is the faith that we all exercise uh, for salvation different than this particular type of faith? Because it's, I mean, those words could be a little bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Like, I would say, well, I, I shouldn't really keep my faith to myself. I need to be explaining to people and sharing my faith. We use that term. This one, why is it different from the faith that we all have in, let's say, Jesus Christ? So faith the size of a mustard seed moves mountain, and Jesus said all the time your faith has made you well or your faith has saved you. That is different than this. It's similar in the sense of what you believe that you trust. Yeah, yeah. So this is talking about the areas of life where you believe, you have faith that it is. Oh, this is not a sin. So when he says keep your faith between you and yourself, he's talking to the strong person who believes that this thing in life will not hinder my relationship with the Lord, and I feel great freedom to be able to partake in it and do it in thanksgiving to the Lord. Hmm. Paul is saying in in that person, where that person has that level of faith, where their conscience isn't, isn't uh, what's the word I want to use, pricked, because they feel like they can do that in great freedom. Yeah, yeah. Paul's saying you can do damage if you go around flaunting that. Yeah. So that's... Der- that, it's still faith in that it's talking about what you believe or what you don't believe. But salvation comes by faith. And then as you grow, you have faith in these areas of life that lead to freedom, sense of freedom or not. So, so I would say I would say this is talking more about your freedom gotcha. in Christ. So it's more an understanding of um, kind of the growth in your understanding of God and the application of that knowledge to everyday life. So some person sees, as Paul mentions here, that he could, in a sense eat all sorts of meat. The mm-hmm. other person would look at that and say, no, I, I don't, I'm not there because I don't believe God is pleased with me if I participate in this because there's some regulation or something that I would say that God has put on my heart, some constraint yeah. to say that I'm not to do that. And the danger here, as you said, I think is for the strong person to look down on or disregard, I think the word is, the weaker person. And the weaker person could look at and judge the stronger person as they are sinning. Mm -hmm. They're doing what is wrong. But the point is, both of them are before God, right? Absolutely. 100%. And not one's... Not one honors the Lord more than the other. That's what's crazy about this passage. probably the hardest part about this passage. That's the hardest part about this passage. And that was the biggest revelation for me, is that the weak aren't told in this passage to become strong. They're actually, all of us are told to, whatever your faith is, double down on it. Be fully convinced in your own heart. So, But here's where we have to balance Scripture, too, though. Because we know in Colossians chapter 2, asceticism Hmm. is condemned. Yes. So thinking that... What is asceticism? Asceticism is denying your body of fleshly or worldly pleasures in, in a sense that it's giving you some type of greater knowledge or closeness to God that where if you did those things, you'd somehow be not as close to God. So it's... It's kind of like monasticism. It's like a monk. It's like a monk who deprives himself of all desires and pleasures to live on a mountain. And like, I'm closer to God. It's a very agnostic way of thinking. Where this is different from this, Romans 14, is when you do something for the Lord in honor to Him. Asceticism is like, I'm literally, um, God loves me more, or I'm saved or I'm closer to God because I'm I'm doing these things. And Colossians two gives the balance that hmm. that you know 
subjecting yourselves to these things as if they have some type of power and stopping the indulgence of the flesh, he says is of no value. Gotcha. He says it has an appearance of wisdom in man-made religion, but he says it's, a, it's not has no value in actually bringing power and you being able to stop the indulgence of the flesh. Gotcha. So it's like Paul in Colossians two, the issue is, hey, if we want to if we want to be sanctified, we just need to live by these real strict set of rules. Paul's saying, no, that's not where power comes from. Power comes from grace and faith in Jesus and reliance and dependence on him. Gotcha. And then God does the work in us. Romans 14 is more, I, I have this real personal conviction. I want to honor God this way. That's I think they're different. I really yeah. Do. No, I think I think you, what you're saying is Colossians 2 is almost like you're self-sustaining your holiness. It's like you in your own strength are able to bring things to bear that only God through his spirit can hmm. bring to bear. Yeah. And Romans 14 is you desire to submit to God and the conviction of God and honor him in all that you do. And this has nothing to do with self. You truly are unable to walk in something that could be perceived as freedom for another person because for you it would be sin. Yeah. That is not the same thing as the asceticism that you were talking about. Right. That's in a sense earning favor with God because of your not having these Mm -hmm. certain things. So as we look at this passage, let's... Let's deal with some of the questions that were asked here. Yeah. So some of this uh, passage deals with more of what could be considered an individual preference or opinion. But the question is, again, this, this these things are not necessarily going to happen within the context of the church community, right? So if I eat food, sacrificed idols, in my home, I'm more than likely not going to bring that food to church because I understand that rightly, there that would be a natural stumbling block. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bring alcohol that I could drink freely in my home, if I have that opinion, and bring it to church because we already have policies in place in church that bans us from the use of alcohol in church. So mm-hmm. some of those things are not necessarily being addressed in Romans 14. But what about something like masks, where this potentially could influence more people depending on what opinion we fall on in regards to wearing or not wearing masks. How is that different? I think the masks is the most relevant. I, I, I preached Romans 14 knowing that the mask was the most relevant. Yeah, and everybody wants to know. That and then I don't every, care about food sacrifice idols, Jasper. Tell every, me about masks. Every question had to do with masks. <laughs> and there were some questions that had to do with more just doctrine. Like, when is it like a doctrinal issue and then when is it Still an opinion, yeah, right? Yeah. So we can get to that later. So the, the question, let me make sure the question is right that you're asking me, is what's the difference between like the policy stuff and then the mask thing? Well, it's more the fact that Romans 14 is very much individual outside of the church community. So if you are doing, like for instance, with masks, yeah, if I require you to wear a mask in my home and you don't want to wear a mask then obviously there's going to be a detriment of you coming into my home. So there's almost like a break of conscience there. I got there. you. But in church, we have both aspects there. Yes, wear masks. No, don't wear masks. And it's kind of left to the opinion of the person yeah. who's there. So so now yeah. that's that's the issue. So the reality is, Romans 14 says, keep your faith between yourself. But because of the mask thing, it's such a public thing. It's yeah, yeah. impossible to keep it Absolutely impossible. Which tells me then... Romans 14 is even more necessary. Hmm. Than How so? It, because this is going to be constantly in front of our eyes. Yeah. And Paul's saying one of the things that you do to help keep opinions from destroying the shirt is keep them keep them out of the view of other people. Hmm. 
So now that we have this opinion that's been thrust, and I believe used by the enemy. And it's a very visible opinion. Very visible opinion. Yeah. We're having to constantly forbear and give grace and patience. But I also believe that's why it's so contentious right now, because yeah. we're unable to we're unable to get away from it yeah. and have that faith between the Lord and ourselves. But it also the the nature of it is involving it is it does involve everyone. So I think that's why it's complicated and different than all these other things if you're asking that. All right, so let's get into that question about the reality of us being with one another, knowing that we can't do this just simply on an individual basis. This is something that we're all publicly now in a sense, exposed to one another's opinions on a regular basis. How do we utilize Romans 14? Because it's absolutely necessary for us. How does it help inform the responses that we have in view of these personal opinions that are now corporately being expressed on a regular basis? The first thing I would say personally is I would ad- I would address the strong person. Okay. So here's how... The strong person would be, I don't have any dog in this fight, right? So the strong person would probably characterize as, I don't, whether I wear a mask or not wear a mask and, you know, I trusting the Lord. They, they, they have more freedom in it where they're not bringing any contention or division. I would ask them, search your heart, ask the Lord, what would be the area of freedom in this area that I could give up for the sake of my brothers to dwell together. Yeah. So I would ask that group of people to search your heart, as Paul's saying, and seek the Lord in whatever it is he would have you to do to help keep the unity and keep opinions from dividing. That's now, interesting, though. I would I would put that not as a strong person. I would put that as the lightweight kind of in the middle. Oh, really? Because you've got like the strong and the weak, and then the person who says, yeah, I don't really care either way. Because it seems like the strong person is the one who goes, no, I'm not going to. Maybe I'm wrong, but I was just thinking like in myself, like you've got these two juxtapositions of strong and weak. And then it seemed like that third person is, I got no skin in the game. Somewhere in between. I'm like the lightweight. I'm I'm the, whatever it is, the six man. Well, what about this? Because there is the people who are in that third category. Where... What does that mean? If they don't have a strong opinion on this side or that side, does that mean they're in the middle or would that do they already hold the end result of where we're all trying to get to? Yeah, that's a good point. They're actually the mature, mature. The, I guess because it seems like again, I don't want to use the word. I apologize for the word mature. It just seems like that's the person though that would be the strong, properly spirit filled, because the evidence of the strong is the fact, almost in a sense, that they're willing to remove from them if need be, the liberties that they would hold mm. so strongly to. But they're willing to say, it doesn't, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind. Just mm. what's needed for the sake of this community of believers. So then the strong who are missing it, who are causing problems, despising and being arrogant, yes, their goal would be to get there where they care more about not disrupting and hurting their weaker brothers uh, and then seeking the Lord, what would you have me to do? Yeah. Where, where can I serve my brothers and sisters in giving up my freedom? Which the same would be the weak that are, in a sense, mature because they're not judging right. the strong. Yeah. So you've got the two polar opposites, and then you've got these two good, weak, good, strong in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So simply put, if we're taught, so if you're listening right now, we have a varying degree of people who are listening. You're probably someone who's pretty passionate about not wearing masks, and you can give reasons why you shouldn't, even biblical reasons, even reasons you think 
um, that for you, you're honoring the Lord in that and why that's a big deal for you. But then we have someone else who's listening here who's like, man, the, the mask, you have to wear it. Like this is affecting us all. You're potentially doing harm. And this is, lo- this is the greatest expression of loving your neighbor. They have that opinion. So if you're listening now and you're, you're carrying that within your heart, it's already like even listening to this is, is, is causing the heart to... Yeah, you're waiting you know, for us to bash the other side. That's yeah, what exactly. you're waiting for. <laughs> I would say to both of you, according to Romans 13, both, both of our goals is to get to a place where we are we're refusing to allow this issue to disrupt the unity. Yeah. I know it, it sounds like, well, how? Getting the mask thing right and getting people on our side is what's going to cause problems. Yeah. Because let's be That's honest. That's a good point. Are, who, have you seen at all an effectual argument that has brought the other person to the other side, on either side? No. What has always been the product of the quarrels, the quarrels and the wrestlings and the efforts of those two sides? Deeper trenches. Deeper trenches. Every time. And what Romans 14 is saying is like, avoid that. Yeah. Because So now, whoever you are, what are you going to do now knowing that there's nothing you can do to convince someone against their opinion. Yeah. So you've heard the quote, the a man convinced against his will of the same opinion still. Yeah. So you've gotten nowhere in changing the other person's opinion except greater frustration and potential bitterness in your heart mm-hmm. and fracture between a brother or sister. And yeah. now a greater sense of, I don't want to be around that person. They're the problem. And now something is happening in your heart, which is what is the real spiritual uh, implication we're getting at here. This is what God cares about. This is what God's looking at. This is why we can have different opinions and honor him because he's dwelling in the heart and that's what he's honored by. Yeah. Um, so I probably took a long time to answer that and jump to some of the other questions, but yeah, that's what I, yeah. I would say though, that the, the question still is, uh, one of the questions coming in is what what happens if you have an activity that causes harm to other people? So it obviously this is from the perspective of if, if a person is not wearing a mask, they're potentially causing, potentially causing physical harm to other people because they're not safeguarding the other people mm-hmm. who are in the congregation. Because again, this is the context of the local church when we're gathered together. Here comes a person not wearing a mask. I think that person needs to understand that they are potentially causing physical harm mm. to this body because they're not wearing a mask. How does Romans 14 deal with that issue? Well, let me be clear. In any situation where someone is actually causing physical harm to someone else, then Romans 14 doesn't apply. Yeah. But Romans 14 does apply to this. Because even the belief that someone, by just simply not wearing a mask, is causing bodily physical harm to me is still a part of the opinion. Hmm. Because both sides can give different scientists and everything that talk about where it is it is helping, it's not helping, all of those things. Yeah. But then I would ask, how far do you take that? Because washing hands is probably even more, uh, da- not washing your hands is probably even more dangerous than going yeah, around touching and everything. Yeah. Like, so then how do you know if someone's washing their hands or not? So th- it has to it has to come along with the intentions. Now, let me give you a, a real-life scenario. Say someone's sick during the time of this pandemic. They know yeah. they're sick, yeah. they have symptoms, yep. and then they willingly come to church. That doesn't happen. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. In this context, that's where you've now, you, you've acted very unwisely. Yeah. Now you are... 
willingly, intentionally, or, or just flippantly using yourself as a means to seek what you want and potentially yeah. put other people in harm, given the fact that we're in this time. But to say definitively, if you don't wear this mask over your face, you are causing physical harm. Uh, I think is still part of the opinion gotcha. side. I still think that, that that has to fit within that person's opinions. And they can be fully convinced in their mind about that. Yeah. But it's but still that person is 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 feeling like I've got to bridge the gap though and make an exception for Romans fourteen for this because of that. That's what Romans fourteen is mm. still dealing with. Yeah. Is we have to resist that. Yeah. Have to. Yeah. Cause to your point, the other opinion also exists where you wearing a mask doesn't actually hinder the virus from getting to you, nor does not wearing a mask actually spread it to the degree that you think it does. Like that again, to your point, it's sadly, there's so many opinions about this that mm -hmm. it is hard to discern what is an opinion and what is fact. And I think the 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 hardest part of Romans 14 is that to that individual person, what is true tends to want to be universal for the other people. And what was it that you, you, you had a little phrase that you said. Yeah, personal convictions are wrong when they become public constrictions. Okay. So explain that a little bit and how that would be, like this universal opinion would become something because it can't necessarily apply to everybody. It would, given the fact that we're talking about gray areas of life, well, we know that there's no, it, it is an opinion. The moment that personal conviction that you think is true for you, the moment you believe it has to be true for others, hmm. and I need to make sure that they conform to that, yeah. is when you start destroying the work of God. Gotcha. That's when it begins. Hmm. So, so you can believe that it needs to be true for others, but the moment you begin to make that pu personal conviction a public constriction, yeah. and I think we're guilty of this in, throughout this pandemic. Yeah. So we all have... I think we all have some time to step back and ask God to forgive us and and, and mm. help us bring patience and forbearance and yeah. like recover from it. But the moment we go out and we start putting that out and judging one another is is when this, this quarrel starts happening. So let's talk now about the truth that there are things that we, in a sense, are actually called to judge. So someone, perhaps, is actually doing something under an opinion, perceived opinion, that seems to be actually going against Scripture. It seems to be a detriment to them, to their faith, to their growth and godliness, to their witness to the world. What do you do? How do you confront maybe, or what do you do in that regard to someone who seems to be believing something to such a degree, but you and others actually are perceiving, this is not health, This is not good for them. They're doing something that actually goes against what could be seen as Scripture. Yeah, the question is kind of getting us to this scenario that would be rare, right? So is I, w I first want to say, is there a scenario that is a genuine personal conviction that you're allowed to have, but then ends up hindering your walk with God? Yeah. Right, because the Romans 14 is going over things that like don't hinder. It's about the gray things that don't hinder, but, but I think this is a real scenario. I think really what it is is, we find, we have a hard time finding the line where that is. So when you start seeing the line get blurred and you see that someone has a personal conviction, I don't feel I don't feel the the peace to be able to confront them on it. 
but then I see it starts affecting their life. What do I do? Yeah. That's what it feels like you're asking. And I think the exam- someone gave an example about, hey, what if I see someone who's decided to stay home during the quarantine and, and not be, and a year goes by, but then you start seeing like joy. Uh, yeah, they uh, haven't been anxiety, in fellowship. Haven't been in fellowship. Anybody. And you're seeing that that conviction where I'm going to stay home, which could genuinely come from yeah. from a Romans 14 conviction. Like I, I feel like the right thing to do would be for me to stay home. Yeah. But that starts affecting them. I think that's a real scenario. I think yeah, it's yeah. great. And if you're listening and you're someone who's decided to stay home, know that what we're talking about is we're really trying to wrestle through what's helpful for you. Well, because right? you could use another example of the person who shares their opinion so strongly about there's no way I'm going to wear a mask ever again. And they're, in a sense, breaking what I would call a a good witness to Christ. So, so your opinion becomes so lofty that it actually becomes a hindrance to, in a sense, the gospel, either either publicly or a hindrance to the gospel personally. So those are the two, that I would say, extremes. The person who's staying home could be, in a sense, personally not allowing the natural course of God's people and the gospel and fellowship of the saints being a natural part of their life. The other person, through their opinion, is actually hindering that taking place because they're making that mm. such a degree yeah. That it is, n- it's it's replacing, yeah. in a sense, the the truth hmm. of the gospel and the word of God. This so, how do you confront that, or what do you do in those situations? Is really the question. There's a couple things I would ask to someone who's in that weird, rare scenario. I would say, whatever it is you're deciding to do or not do, according to Romans 14, are you doing it in honor to the Lord? Yes. Like, so, it, or is it just something you think you have the right to do? Because Romans 14 isn't just saying, do whatever you want to do. It's hmm. saying faith, anything that's not done out of faith is sin. Hmm. So first you have to say, is this conviction, are you doing it in honor to the Lord? Yeah. Or because you feel like this is what God wants you to do. and you, Or you're doing it out of great gratitude and thanksgiving for God. That's First you have to see, is the heart intent towards the freedom or the conviction, yeah. is it unto the Lord? If not, if someone's like, well, I if say it's a scenario of someone who's like, I've stayed home for a year, and I say, well, has this decision to stay home has it been done as a result of you seeking the Lord's heart, saying, God, is this what you would have me to do? And you're doing it in response to like, this is what God would have me to do. Yeah. And if they say, well, I haven't even thought about it. Well, immediately I would say, you're this is not a Romans 14 issue. Hmm. I was like, you've made a decision and you sat on this, not out of faith. It's it's one that you've made even apart from God. Yeah. I mean, even Joshua, they went. And they fought, who was it, AI? And they didn't consort the Lord about it, and they got their butts kicked. Yeah. I mean, they were literally, men. several men were killed, and they were chased out. And when they figured out, why, why did this happen? We've been so victorious. God's like, you didn't ask me if I even wanted you to do that. So God requires obedience more than sacrifice. Yeah. Um, so we have to seek the Lord's heart. The second thing I would say is, in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says this, All things are lawful for me. But not all things are good. Hmm. All things are lawful, but I would not be dominated by anything. Even in the freedoms that we have, that we say, I have the right to do this, this is lawful. Paul even still says that you need to go even further to say, but should you? Is this good for you? At the end of the day, you want to do things that are going to to benefit you, be productive for you. So... So, so maybe you have, maybe there is a scenario, and maybe the staying home one fits kind of in that scenario where it's yeah. like kind of not sure. Does it a Roman fourteen thing? Those are the type of things I would start, I would start uh, asking that person and, and getting the thing through with. Yeah. 
especially if you see something is directly linked to the lack of the fruits of the Spirit in someone. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that's probably not a Romans 14 thing. That, that person needs to be restored and brought back to a place. This is kind of a side note, but the staying at home thing, we do actually have. It's not as gray as maybe some people think, but we do actually have Scripture where it shows the command and even heart of Scripture is that God's people would physically gather together. Yeah. Even even through unsafe environments. Hmm. You see that all through history. So it is really hard for me to to say with a clean conscience that God is okay with us not gathering together for X, Y, or Z. Because throughout all of history, gathering together has been the one thing that has caused Christians to experience very unsafe and even deadly yeah. results. Um, but God has never said, don't gather because it's unsafe. I, yeah, I think to your point, though, the difficulty is... I mean, I could look at that and say, well, that's an opinion of how I'm supposed to gather. You're talking about physically, but I'm still gathering virtually online, which was not even closely an option in the past. And so that seems like it's still the the physicality of gathering together is truly what the Bible is indicating is best and proper. And I would ask, uh, again, some of the questions of clarity, which I think to your point, it's very helpful to seek clarity. Don't Mm -hmm. assume... You know what that person is doing and why they're doing it. Well, so asking them, hey, did you... I mean, as a pastor, it's easy, easier to kind of get into that. But I would say yeah. if this is a small group leader and you have small group members who you haven't seen in a year, I would say it's about time to start having some conversation yeah. with that person and just asking for clarity. Where are you? Like, where are you at? How are you doing? When can we get together? What does that look like? Can we go to a park? Like, start inviting the physical return of one another together. And it might move into an eventual, they're coming to the physical gathering of God's people on Sunday yep. morning. I'm not saying you jump to that one. Yeah. You start in steps and start moving Absolutely. towards obedience. That's a hard... And if you're listening and you're staying home and you're... Feel, like, we're not... Please know, like, when this area is an area of care, not an area of judgment. Yeah. Because we understand pandemic. We understand that we provide a virtual thing because it does... It does keep the connection from being completely lost. Yes. Um, it, Bjorn even brought up the uh, the reality of what the word virtual means. Virtual means incomplete. Hmm. So even though it is, it's almost like it's supplemental. Yeah. But it's yeah. not substitutionary. Yeah. So you're able to supplement that. But I think the proof is in the pudding because even as a pastor, from our perspective, we get to see the greater body. We've seen the the effect yeah. of strictly virtual always tends towards more anxiety a sense that something's missing. And there's always seems to be that when someone, the people do come back together, there's a refreshing. Yes. So there's something yeah, yeah. that is incomplete. And I think I think we all agree. I don't even think that's an, uh, an opinion. Yeah. There is something that's incomplete about virtual versus together. Great understanding and great patience over this, this thing because of the way life is going on right now. And this is in no way for me saying you should do this. This is me saying, as a pastor looking at Scripture, we have to keep our eyes on the summit, and our heart has to be, I want to please God more than anything else. So whatever the decision is, is it honoring the Lord? Is it beneficial? Even if it's lawful, you still need to ask, is this what is this what's best for you? Yeah. And then, does it violate anything? Is there any, does it violate any potential thing in Scripture? If you see anything in Scripture that's speaking into the decision that you've decided to do, and it either goes against it or for it, you got to consider that as well. So what you're saying is, uh, obviously, this is the Bible doesn't say almost practically anything about this. So if you have an opinion 
if someone states, well, you, that's your opinion, but you can go to a passage of scripture that shows that that person's opinion actually violates something of scripture. Like, let's say it's a, it's a totally errant doctrine. It's not even the mm-hmm. same. Like you say, well, that's your opinion. And now, so Romans 14 is not necessarily talking about those, those issues. Yeah, Romans 14 is talking about the actual opinions, not the things that we state are opinions. And how do you know what an actual opinion is? Is if it's not in Scripture and it doesn't violate yeah. anything that has already been laid out in Scripture. Gotcha. So if I say, yeah, it's my opinion that... Uh, I'm just trying to think of something that's not too blatantly obvious. I, I guess for like a doctrine. Like it seems like that would be pretty clear. Like, yeah, that's a violation of at least... Uh, one or two doctrines you, mm-hmm. that's not that's not your opinion anymore like that's actually wrong well i actually i actually had a conversation with someone who's wrestling over this they got a they have a friend who's they're trying to figure out how to apply romans 14 to a conversation that they're having and he's the person's very much wanting to make sure they don't violate romans 14 they yeah, don't yeah. want to cause disunity and so as we talk further the conversation though is not it's not about opinions it's about bad doctrine mm-hmm. and uh, doctrine divides. Doctrine will all will, doctrine differing doctrine will always bring division, and it should. Okay. I'm talking bad theology, bad doctrine, stuff gotcha. like the Bible's not the authority, that the script uh, follow Jesus, not the scriptures, things like that. That's not someone's opinion. You absolutely almost not only can you speak into that, you should speak into that. <laughs> so that's it's practically borderline false teaching. Yeah, false teaching, but borderline. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Because the hard part for me is that some of the things that the church is divided, and maybe you say, oh, man, I can't believe there's so many denominations. But practically, those divisions exist because the practice of the church can't necessarily be both. And so these are, I would say, theological opinions on how a text hmm. is to be interpreted. Yeah. This Romans 14 is, there is necess- there's not necessarily a text that you're going to turn to and find out whether I should wear a mask or not wear a mask, or if this actually is this or or that. Yeah. It's that is an issue of you before the Lord, you guys, you and the Lord by the Holy Spirit, you seeking to honor the Lord, come to a conclusion, and therefore walk in that conclusion. Yeah. While your brother or sister will do the same thing with the same subject. Honor the Lord, seek the Lord in that, come to a conclusion which could be opposite of yours, and that person is mandated, according to Romans 14, to also walk in that. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's tough. Because they both, whether they're considered the weak or strong, and I like to think we're weak and strong in different areas. I think we have to look through our life and see, because I know know pastors who, who know the Lord and who are mature. They 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 have been con- they are conformed to the image of Christ as much as they could yeah, be, yeah, yeah. and but they are like I'll go to I'll go to my deathbed believing that it's wrong for me to drink alcohol. Yeah, right. So they're essentially weak in the faith in that area. Yeah, but in no way should you try to change it. So that's what I'm saying. We all have to consider that we have weak and strong areas, and then there actually may be like especially a new Christian who's new. The, yeah, they, yeah. They truly are weak in the especially faith with strong of associations of other things Absolutely. in their past. Oh yeah. And so it would be a strict violation of their conscience mm-hmm. to participate in some of those things. Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's again the part that you said that the Lord welcomes them. And it's before the Lord that they stand, which is a beautiful thing. So Jasper, in closing, what, what are two, uh, let's say, admonitions or encouragements that you would give to the people who are, as you said, in the trenches? Because as we talked earlier, we kind of want to bring them towards the middle 
of the the more mature response of the weak and the strong. So how would you admonish or encourage those people who are potentially constantly tempted to judge the stronger brother? And what would you say to the strong who just keep looking at and and are tempted to disregard Hmm. the weak? So if you're listening and you're someone who is tempted to judge, that means you're you're in a situation where you're looking out and you're you're seeing people not doing what you think they should be doing. Yeah. Here's what I want to leave you with. I want you to think about how God has accepted you regardless of the rap sheet and list of the things that you haven't done that you to be you deserve to be judged mm. for and how Christ has taken away 100% that condemnation from you. And how you even still have things in your life every single day when you wake up, when you go to bed. You do things, think things, and say things that are worthy of judgment and condemnation. And Romans 8 still says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to start taking on the heart of God towards your brothers who also have no condemnation over them. And don't judge them in a way that God's not. For the person who's tempted to look at the brother and sister who's living more legalistically in their mind, like, hey, you, you need to realize, like, like you, you need to realize you don't even need to do that to honor God. And, and that's not, you know, when tempted to despise, as the scripture says, hmm. you need to spend time thinking about how God already welcomes that person and how God is, is pleased by what they're deciding to do in honor for him. You see someone, whatever it may be, whatever music it is they're listening to or whatever it is, you know, wearing a suit, wearing a mask, whatever it is they're deciding to do that for you you think is just like that has no bearings in spirituality. You need to look at them as Christ does. That honors them, and you need to be excited. Look at look at their wall. Look at what they're doing in honor. For, I want to do nothing but try to support that and make sure they don't lose their zeal for the Lord. And far be it for me to get in the way of that. That's what I'd leave us both with. That's awesome. Well, listen, Summit Church, appreciate your time. Jasper, thank you for clarity on this topic. Absolutely. Thanks for the sermon on Romans 14. And listen, church, as we walk through this together... Know that we as your pastors are here for you. If you want to talk to us and even uh, continue this conversation, we would love to do that. And uh, trust that you guys will have a great uh, holiday season as we look forward to Palm Sunday this Sunday. God bless.